I started solo choreographico with my own money. The renting of the theater, travel costs, artists, the technicians, everything I supported myself. And I tell you, I'm not a rich person. I don't come from a rich family. And um, I, am a, I, I was a dancer, a freelance dancer. Welcome to the Dance Rants podcast. I'm Dylan Holly, a freelance artist and teacher with an urban dance background based in the Netherlands. And I'm Hayden Idris, a classically trained dancer now working for the Dutch modern dance company Intradance. This podcast is a platform to create discussion about dance and to learn and gain insight from our guests. We hope you enjoy. You're listening to episode four from season two of the Dance Rants podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Rafael Irache dancer, choreographer, and director of the Solo Choreographico Dance Festival in Frankfurt, Turin, and Oklahoma City. Raphael talks to us about the cultural landscape in his home country of Italy, the demands of dance management, and how he prepared himself to continue in the dance industry after he left the stage. Thank you so much for joining us, anyway. This is really great to have you. Yeah, thank you. It's um, Yeah, it was really a good idea from, from Aiden, and uh, unexpected, because you don't get asked very often to, you know, as a, as a dance artist or, a, you know, to speak out in a, in a way to reach out, you know, to, to other colleagues uh, that, you know, you, with the one you can share thoughts or ideas or experience. And I think actually this is something which we do too less. We, we lack of... Uh, information meaning the information that we can give like that you can you can find and that we can give each other because mm. very often the point of view is from those who love dance definitely yeah. but they cannot have the same insights as people who eat and sweat dance every day in a, in a way you know yeah mm-hmm. i agree so and i think also also compared to other industries as well like the accessibility to information and that knowledge from people who have been through and had the experiences isn't there so i think that yeah that's kind of the idea also behind having these kind of conversations it's just that it's not so common in uh, our industry and we're we're all like extremely um well we're interested people we're very interested in this for a reason we have a lot of passion and it, there just isn't enough moments where people put that passion into words for other people to hear you only get to see it on stage in a snippet and normally it's like through the lens of another choreographer's work so it's quite precious i think to just share our views opinions motivations and love for this craft so other people can maybe learn something from it yeah it's uh, sometimes I, i think that uh, in general this this kind of talk it's good to mix the point of view of the people who love dance and love this craft, as you were saying, and the people who do it on the field. So then we can both have a a reflection because it is also true that we, as the ones who do it, we risk to be caught in our bubble. And I think, for example, to dancers, which are by a little bit by nature, but also is the is the fact of the um, of the metier, you know, the work itself. You must be concentrate so much on your body, on your psychology, on your mind, and uh, on your or the people that are in in that bubble with you 
to make the perfect act happening, the best performance, the best interpretation. You really have to work so much within yourself that an eye from the outside it's needed and not only from the choreographer but from somebody who loves dance or is uh, as another uh, role in the dance field maybe is a organizer a festival director or or another colleague who from you know another background it's definitely necessary and as aiden was saying in our can say it industry we uh, we can make our voice more clear and more uh, present we do this too less and i think that we have to do this like you're doing now we have to step forward and say this is what we're doing and this is not important just to me but it has there is an uh, an effect on the society and, and in my surrounding in my city you know and in each country is different but uh, for example certain governments in europe i speak they are very much oriented also for dance and culture in general and there are others which are less although the people love the same the same way you know like for example i think about my home country which is italy we have great dancers we have great dance schools we the audience love dance it's dance everywhere but the state doesn't really fund dance our main companies are closing down although the, the is not because of the audience because they will say, yeah, but there's no audience. It's not true. I started the festival from scratch in Italy in 2014, and there is people coming watching it. I, I have always have almost sold out. People love it. So that's why we have to, uh, although we're not used to, because the dance needs so much commitment that there is hardly space to do anything else but dancing. The kind of concentration and physical approach is totally different but as I say the concentration of a sports person can a bit relate to what we have we have to train every day for so many hours we have to rehearse so many hours eight hours a day every day we go on tour we travel we don't sleep we break our ligaments you know there is hardly the the, the space in your not only your mind in the body <laughs> you know yeah so what you're doing now is exceptional because you're taking the time on a Sunday to speak <laughs> about dance and not to rest on your couch in front of uh, your beloved uh, series, you know. So congratulations and thank you so much. <laughs> uh, no, thank you for your words, though. It's like quite inspiring to hear, especially from someone who's been organizing and like understands the truth that there is people who want to see this stuff, yet there is still for some reason governments pulling funding out of the arts and specifically dance. Like I know for myself what dance means to me and I'm like back doing another study at the moment and so I'm doing a master's in dance movement psychotherapy and so the, the nicest thing for me is the readings we have to do, like the research papers that are documented. There's so much positive words being written about the power of dance and the effect that dance can have on people. And it's just like, I'd never read or heard any of this while I was studying to be a dancer. Not even in the dance community, this kind of information is circulating. And then inside of the medical field, at least in the Netherlands, it's kind of coming up a bit, but it's still, it's not favorable to the more cognitive based therapies that really don't think with the body. 
but everybody has a body. We all connect to it and there's something special about it. It's a reason that there is audiences for dance. There's something in it that you can't get anywhere else, not from Netflix or... <laughs> yeah, no, and it's interesting what you say. I was talking to a friend and uh, he had been through a hard time and he went to uh, a psychologist. And uh, one of the things they told him, take one hour a day, go and have a walk in the woods or no, have a walk, a nice walk, no, so that you can go outside, don't stay at home. And if we think like the good effect that just a walk can have now can we imagine what does it imply to be dancing which is mm. such a, a huge challenge for the body and you know so if you make the comparison like on a, on a medical level i can imagine i mean i don't know them but i can well imagine what can be the, the good effects of dance on the body and the mind and the spirit uh, if already a good walk along the river changes your day you know and uh, I can say also another thing, which is more personal. Uh, my mother, she she loved to dance. And until she had the strength in her body, she danced always, always, even in the last period of her life. And this had a great effect on her. She would do anything to go on Saturday night or on the weekend to, but not just to, you know, not to go with the friends. Of course, there were friends, but she would go on the dance floor and she, you know, she would feel alive. And she would, you know, yeah. fight her fight with dancing. You get so much from dancing, like on a cognitive level, there's neuroplasticity that you're keeping working. It's like good for your cognitive functions. It helps your coordination. It helps the longevity of your brain's health, basically. And it's also an ability to tap into um, something called your implicit memory, which is the memory you've built up over years. It's effectively your identity. It's the things that your brain doesn't have to think about anymore and that your body understands and knows. Mm -hmm. And if you have grew up dancing, if you've danced in your life and you've had fun, you can tap into that youthful energy source or health source or whatever you want to call it just by going out and dancing. I guess looking at like uh, having this discussion about the importance of dance for, for normal people as well as trained dancers. Rafa, you mentioned before that in countries like Italy and Spain, there's really less funding for these kind of things, despite the fact that in your personal experience, there is a huge audience for it. Because also it's something as a dancer, when you're looking at working opportunities in Europe, you tend to look at countries like the Netherlands or Germany or the Nordic countries, those that have good funding. So I was just wondering yeah. maybe why this is an interesting topic to wonder why these countries um, specifically have less funding. I mean... I think, like, for example, in Italy, what is most funded still, although now with the general problematics, everything gets cut a little bit. But in Italy, mostly it's opera and uh, yeah. like music theater and theater. I can speak with, for Italy, Spain, I can imagine, but I, I don't have the, I don't know the landscape so well that I can say something about. I think there are two things for Italy. The politics, which means the people. The people is the politics. I think that in Italy there is this general thing that mm, very often cu culture, although it's the main asset, is culture and food. It's the main one. It's the, more, the, the most natural. Then, of course, we have a brilliant medical people, brilliant engineer that are working everywhere in the world. Mm. But um, culture is given for granted 
except for things that you can perceive immediately. Like, I, I mean, for example, singing, acting is something that your body can experience because you get it. It's like comes on top of you. You get the signal you, and you get it in your brain and you enjoy it. Dancing, of course, you, you can be in great wonder of the dancer. But the relationship with dance, especially with politics or maybe, I don't know, I have the feeling that they don't connect very much with it. You can connect less with dance. There is many people still that are connected with dance and enjoy it, but not as much as people that can connect with opera or think that, oh, opera is very important. We have to keep that. Or we think that theater is very important, Shakespeare and this and that. There is literature. In opera and music, you have a score. In theater, you have a text. Uh, we have literature. In dance, yes, but also no. It's, it's an art that, that lives on movement. It's, you, of course, you can note it, but who is going to read Danish notation but our dear friend from Interdance as a <laughs> Americ as a wonderful skill, but he has it, and it's a special skill that it's like a, you need to study for years, and uh, and it's not so yet they've developed like scores. It's still in the process of becoming. It's an art which is ancient. It's the first, maybe, art, form mm. of art, maybe, because of the body moving. But in our time, it's still developing. So I think there is not yet the awareness of how important that is, is it the opera, music, or theater? Because it's lacking of the book, the score, or the literature, or of although there are, I know that there are, no, but in the same amount, in the same massive amount, and also because I think that although we have a big audience, uh, there is a, a lot of people that they cannot relate to it. They cannot, you know, they don't care about. They, they never, they, they never have seen a ballet, mm. you know, in their lives, or. They think it's like, oh, yeah, dance is fancy, it's nice. Oh, the ballerina with the tutu. But that's it. That it finishes there. And I think this is the problem. They don't know about it. And I think also many times, thanks God, not in every theater, but when a director of a theater chooses the ballet director, very often they don't have a clue. And this is a big problem. This is a big problem because you have terrible choices. Let's face it. I mean... It's not easy to find a place where you, as a dancer, would say, I want to go there. Because you can find people that are there because of connection, because they found themselves at the right place at the right time. Sometimes it's very random. And this is also a bit the problem, because in dance, there is some things that you really measure and something that you can really not. For example... Although we have ballet, we have uh, all the modern dances, we are still developing techniques, but this is stuff that we know, but the theater director will not know what that is and what the person they are hiring is able to do, really. So yeah. it's a really, they're like blind in, in, in this world. And uh, also the politics, they don't know how important it is and how rich it is. Somehow, I think they don't connect enough to it to evaluate the importance of it. I always see like dance in general for us should be considered as the martial art in Asia, in the, like in Japan or in China. 
because it's the way we we deal and we evolve with our body movement and body mm-hmm. consciousness and awareness and is the way we connect the body and the mind and spirit together as the yeah. as the people from asia do with their martial arts and in fact i remember once i was in, here in frankfurt and i was following the foresight company as a auditor like being there watching rehearsal uh, taking class uh, william foresight has always been very welcoming for people who would be to search in the way to experiment and i remember once i was very lucky i was there for about two weeks and uh, during that period of time there was a budo master who is the basically is like a, a samurai and uh, he still lives and he has a school in osaka i think and he was there to give you two weeks workshop to the company, to the Foresight company. And I was there and I had a chance to do it. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And then one night I would stay too late and take late shower. And then in the studio, there were William Foresight and Akira Hino. And they starting to do an improvisation together. And it was amazing because you had these two huge people, huge master, like William Foresight, like, the master of the universe from the Western <laughs> world and Akira Hino, master of the universe from the East world. And it was amazing because they had absolutely no problem to communicate with their body. They made an improvisation, they did movements, they connected, they, they, they twist around, they improvised the contact with each other. Absolutely uh, without interruption, seamlessly, like really like, wow, like in perfect harmony. And it was a big lesson to me was say, Wow, that's it. You know, these two people, they have been searching for over 30 years, 40 years in their direction, in their own craft. But then they, they arrived to the same point. And this is like, was like mind-blowing. Like, I was very privileged in that moment to be there because it was a big, 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 big lesson. That wherever you, you, you come from, from dance, Finally, the body is the place where we meet each other. And, uh, and when you mm-hmm. develop so much and such higher understanding of it, then you understand it. You come to an understanding and awareness which is beyond the cultural gap that can be present in certain time or in the style. Like there is a cultural gap, so to say, from ballet and contact improvisation. But actually it's not. There is no gap. Because if you really do study ballet and if you really do study contact, you see the points where they match, when they merge, yeah, because it's the yeah. body, you know? So, yeah. Well, I think, I think just this idea of um, being so, I mean, in a way, spiritually connected with your body that you can arrive at this point where you can have this perfect connection with somebody else that is so connected to themselves. This idea is a little bit lost in the culture of dance today. Yeah, because we're so trained. Yeah, okay, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, we're so trained, but the thing is that training lacks that fundamental approach. Yeah, exactly. Cause, yeah, because it's not really the goal. I feel in most academies, it's like what I was saying earlier about when I'm reading these papers that talk about like the fundamental principles that can connect to every person and that are beneficial for every person inside a dance so few academic teachers talk about this stuff their goal isn't to impart 
wisdom of the body and I feel like it's not given as this cherished thing. It's like most of the education is about how to climb this mountain a bit higher so that you can stand up high enough to be seen and get the work and applause. So it becomes yeah. it becomes shallow rather than spiritual or um, yeah. like really deep and meaningful. It could be an education problem. I don't know, like because it's also something that in society people for some reason don't appreciate dance anymore or they do some people do but the population clearly doesn't or the certain high up people don't they only appreciate what they can understand and don't know if people just choose not to understand this like are we a lost society rather than just dances kind of lost i don't know but you mean like uh, that uh, you you're speaking about that the, the new like the contemporary dance where and where contemporary dance is adding to or well, it's not that like I, I don't want to make any grander statements because there's so much happening in contemporary dance. But if, if you just yeah. look at like in if society and dance were very intermingled, if you go back like thousands of years where it's it so even now, it, there is still cultures that you grow up with folkloric dance. But society these days and dance are like splitting apart. Yeah, I think that could be found in the fact that we are getting more and more technologic we are dividing more and more the body from the spirit from the non-material but dance instead is combining the two elements mm. so it's like uh, i say this i you know just to make an example like there is like is the difference between magic and science now, mm -hmm. science you know it's magic that there is something that you don't understand but it's something that's uh, there is, uh, there is, it's much more human in a way, you know, like there is something, there is feelings, there are hopes, uh, love, despair, and, 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 and then is something is also happening, but in the, in science, everything has, is proven to be right. And the, just lately, actually, science admits that there is something which is not predictable. You know? But uh, we're taking so much, I think, to go back to lesson number one. Like, we're trying to understand that actually not everything is, uh, um, say, that you, cannot that you cannot understand everything, you know? That you have to mm. go back to intu intuition. And I think that dance has a lot to do with intuition, which is something that in our society is not really promoted in a way, at a certain level. Of course, we are human, so we do promote from ourselves a bit of it. But in general, like you say, there are less and less societies that are related, like with folkloric dance, that is not really, it's there, of course, everybody goes, goes to disco and blah, blah, blah. But it's, there is not the same connection with it because there is a separation, whatever that means, as you say, there is a separation individuals are separated but what it makes me hope is that it's not possible for human being because it's not in our nature to, to disconnect really because we're gonna die otherwise it's very simple the man is not meant to be alone on his own we are not built like this what, yeah. our, whatever we're gonna be we're gonna just not be human anymore then it's okay we if we go 
into man machines or if we, if we get cloned and brainstormed, brainwashed, I don't know, maybe. But the nature is the great keeper in that sense. It's like a river that flows. Yeah, you can put a barrier, a dam, but sometime the dam is going gonna, gonna to break and the water is going to flow. You know what I mean? So yeah. we are in a moment, as you say, where in our society, there is this separation. How long is this going to be? Don't know, maybe we're going to develop other ways of dancing together or there's going to be an evolution in it. But let's say I have hope in this sense, so to say. Yeah, I hope so too. And maybe also things like Dylan, what you were explaining before, like the study that you're doing now, where in fact they they are doing scientific research or it is based on science more, can also help bring and show the importance of dance for people. And maybe through those things, then we can also gain more popularity again. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Like that's why I got interested in it was I want to work with people or I want people to be involved with dance or I want there to be a connection between society and dance and this feels like very much just like putting my finger on the pulse of what is fundamental about it but it's like chipping away at like a mountain or something because in society there's just so much pulling people away from their body and if they're not in their body they can't empathize with other bodies they can't connect in that way and dance does become just this eventually like form-based thing then and like to talk about where technology is going as well like you <laughs> was watching those um videos of like animatronic robots or the newest ones that they've made and like someone has programmed a robot to be able to dance and it's kind of creepy how good it is and it's just <laughs> like wait are we also going to become obsolete <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like i i think you need the spirit in dance it's what makes it important and interesting but if society doesn't get that then people are actually going to be going to watch a robot ballet. Some techies will pay a shit ton of money to put that on and to go to it. And that's where the funding will go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but <sighs> like, I still can't understand how in Italy, when there is crowd, there is an audience for festivals. Yeah, there is. That, yeah, that, totally. that they're, they're pulling away from it. Like the Netherlands, there is so much more audience than Ireland for sure. I've, I'm so happy to be here, but they're cutting funding because, yeah, not every piece sells out these days. And they say there's too much yeah. spreading of the money. It's, it's uh, yeah, I think it's a load of bull. But people don't completely connect and understand here. And I feel like the society here, there isn't a cultural dance that, that brings people close to dance in any way. The only dance people really do here is when they're partying. Yeah. So it's, but yeah, if, if they have the crowds in Italy, like, well, I, I don't know, it just hurts me to hear that that's being defunded. Like, especially if you put the work in, you set up a festival, which is extremely difficult and you see the people coming in, but you still get the no. It's like, how do you continue on? Like, how does that not cripple you? Uh, I have, I have a very, I, on this, in this, I have a very strong will, meaning that I am very stubborn and I, <laughs> Good. I, I, never, I never give up until it's done. <laughs> That's basically how. I mean, you have to think that, and I, I say it without any, I mean, I'm, I'm proud, but I know that I couldn't do any differently. I'm proud because of this maybe. But um, I started Solo Choreografico with my own money. I wow. went to the theater. The second year, I had a little help from the land, but with but the rest, the renting of the theater, 
travel costs, artists, you know, everything, the technicians, everything I supported myself. And I tell you, I don't, I'm not a rich person. I don't come from a rich family. And um, I, am a, I, I was a dancer, a freelance dancer. <laughs> and I was having in Italy my dance group. And I was teaching three to five dance class a day to make uh, my income because you could not live from dancing or making shows. And then um, I decided to do this thing. And then slowly, slowly in Italy, I made it happen. But still the funding, it's very small. I mean, first, because I don't have the team to, to, to maybe now I'm, I'm getting more organized now, finally, but at the time to make a big festival, you need people that works on it. So you need the production manager, financial manager, you need so many people to ask for money already. So you need to pay, like invest 20,000 euro to pay people to ask for money. So it's over. If you wait for it, you're never going to do it. So I said, no, fuck, I do it. I want to do it because I think it's, we in Italy, we need this festival. There is not this kind of festival. And if I wait to have the money to do it, I will never do it. You know? And it's like my dance group. I did my dance group was called the Very Secret Dance Society. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had so much fun for many years. But then again, I started on my own. And I tell more, in the moment that I managed to get a subsidy, uh, like a subvention from the state, from the Ministry of Culture, which is in Rome, I had to say, no, thank you. I don't want the money because there were so many bureaucratic things afterwards and uh, they would give you the 50% and you had to be given another 50%. I sweat my nights on making projects and to make it a application i couldn't do more than that i made it i made a thick dossier it went through the ministry of culture say oh wow nice job good ideas okay we fund you with the 50 of the money then you have to find the rest plus your soul plus your soul plus (laughs) teaching you know it's like it's this the system does not work in germany is different the system does work but in italy it's absolutely useless if I really have an, a, a young choreographer that wants to have his own company, the fact that you give me 50%, it's a fake help because you should tell me, okay, we can give you this money. You use that, you, you do what you need to do, and then you write a dossier, the budget, how you spend it. No, you need to ask to the land, to the region, to the banks, to the foundation. But who has the time to do this? While you teach every day for the company, you rehearse in the morning for the company, you teach afternoon and the night in the private school, you work 18 hours a day, you work in the night to write project. When, how do you, when do you do it? Alone, like uh, one person, it's at a certain point you don't manage anymore. So, uh, yeah, so the, the festival Solo Choreografico, I did it because I wanted to do, and still today it just lives on because I still wanted to do, because from the solo choreographico in Torino, I still don't make any income. Sometimes I still have to put money in. I hope that it will develop. It's doing great on the field of, like in, in, our, in our field. Many people know about it. Many people apply. We have amazing people applying lately. We have the principal from Staatspalette Berlin coming, uh, people from the Dresden Frankfurt Dance Company, Tony Rizzi, uh, like really good, good 
professional applying to it, young people. Uh, no, it's it's expanding. We're now opening in US in Oklahoma City. We have an, now we have an edition in Torino, in Frankfurt, in Oklahoma City. I'm speaking with a good, very good friend of mine. She's a wonderful lady from Tunis, and she has a cultural center. And we want to open a, a section for North Africa so that people from the continent, at least the northern part, because you know, Africa is big, but at least that can have the chance to easily connect with an international network because mm. the solo choreographico nowadays has a network in, a, okay, of course, in Italy and Germany, in Israel, in Turkey, in France, in US, in, uh, in, and in Singapore. And we are trying to grow. Of course, we want to grow with quality uh, artistic uh, exchange. And I don't mean just like making the dance circulating, like the choreographies, the solos, but in uh, quality of how to approach dance and how to deal with the, with each other. Solo Choreografico is a festival where people meet each other mm. and have fun together and observe each other and make new friendships. Organizers are invited. There is an international platform that can watch the things, but there is no competition. There is a prize. There is like a choreographic prize and a dance prize, but... That's the list of the thing, you know. The main thing is like showing with a great pleasure in a safe environment what your visions are as a solo artist. And this is the, the frame. And so all the partners that we work with, first of all, there is a human understanding with each other. Like I always go deeply, not superficially, but I go deeply and try to know the people I work with. I'm thinking about the other festival directors. And I see it's not about only if we like each other as a, you know, okay, it's a nice person. This is, of course, it's an add-on, but it's more how to see how they respect their dancers, how they respect the artists, and do they really promote their artists? Because sometimes there is people that do this to promote themselves. Sometimes it's very weird. Like they make events and they, they place their choreography in the middle of it. And of course, I have also my choreographic vision and desires, but I'm not going to put them in mm. because this would be, I would feel morally conflicting. I did it the first two or three years, but then I realized no, it's wrong. I mean, I don't want to do it. It makes me under pressure to produce something for the, the festival and I'm not interested in presenting. You know, each time I want to fall in love with someone else's choreography. No, and that's the feeling. Uh, like for me this year, was we were talking with the choreographers because you're always caught in the process of the festival. I'm trying to to speak a little bit, to have a moment together where we speak together. I mean, basically I speak. I know it's a bit like one-way communication, but, you know, it's like as a host, I try to express my gratitude that the facts that they're there, you know? So, and for me, I said, when it, when we succeed, then it's a love story gone well because... You live together, you sweat the process, the application, you send your stuff, and then we start to connect, and then we start to talk about it, and as to us, we start to organize when we see each other, when we meet, when we do rehearse together, when the public is going to be. So we start to, to build an artistic relation that um, it's very enriching uh, for me, definitely, and I hope also for, for, the, for the artists. But all this is just because of the will. And I think in most successful um, I mean, we are a small festival, but 
we are so happy that we feel so successful. <laughs> you know, we like it so much. We have so much fun. Uh, but of course, it's a very question of perception. No? And uh, independently, if it's a huge festival or a smaller festival, it's a success when and, and, and continues in time just if there is people behind that love what they're doing. You know, it's just about it, I think. Yeah, that's, that's how solo choreographico would be possible in Italy still. Because otherwise, the moment I say, no, okay, I'm tired. Nobody's going to ask me, yeah, maybe somebody's going to say, oh, that's a pity. Why don't you do it? But no, I guess, I hope not. But I, I think very, very difficult that a politician comes to my door and say, no, Raffaele, don't, please, don't stop. Let's do it. Do you need more money? Let's do it. <laughs> no, nobody's going to do that. So... It does, is it different than in the foreign editions, like in the in the US and in Frankfurt? Of course, it's it's, it's easier. <laughs> you know, it's easier. I mean, I must say, I'm very thankful to, for the to the city of Frankfurt because they really gave us the chance to do it. They it's uh, the funding is uh, is uh, is not huge, but it's definitely enough to make a nice a festival happening, and every everyone can be satisfied of their work. And uh, it's a it's a good condition now. Because I'm a program director of this theater here in Frankfurt, the Gallus Theater, uh, of course there is that double chance because I have, you know, the possibility of a theater. Of course, always together with the direction of the theater, you know, there is always a talk. But there is the chance, and uh, there is the opportunity with the with the city of Frankfurt that support the festival. And I remember that there was the first time I was asking for funding then. Of course, they you know it's public money. It's the money of, of the community. That for me, this is so important. This is money of the community. So every cent that is invested has to be worth it. And I hope that this worth it. I was invested in solo choreographico, but for me, it was like when I was talking to them, I said, for me, of course, the money is important because we need to pay the artist, we need to pay this and that, blah blah blah. But to, what is important to me does the city of Frankfurt, does the community of Frankfurt want me to do the festival? If this is the wish, I will do it. If the, the city is, is not interested, it's okay. But for me, it was very important that, that the city say yes. Of course, in the person of the politicians that are there, they are the representative. But it's a, it's a relationship again. Of course, it's a, such a pleasure to do it. And I am satisfied and uh, it's a great opportunity and gift to be able to organize it and to give the opportunities. But it's an action that I'm, I'm proud to do it, but I don't do it for myself. I do it for myself in the sense that I, I take pleasure in doing it. I take pleasure and the thrill of organizing it. No, This is my what I have for myself, but it's an action that re as a reflect on other people, on the artist, on the public, on the international connections uh, and relationship so it was important for me like a moral support i don't want a little money just to say okay yeah no, that's okay we cannot say no because we cannot say no sometimes politicians you know say we have to make everyone happy you know no for me it's important that they believe in what i'm doing as long mm -hmm. as they do believe I, I i will give everything for it so and for oklahoma city there, Solo Choreografico, it's a festival within the festival. Because uh, since 2020, then all the festival went online, of course, because of COVID. 
but uh, a new festival directed by dance professor Austin Hartel from Oklahoma uh, University. Uh, he started the Oklahoma International Dance Festival and he asked me to have solo choreographical as a performing session of the festival for the solo dance. So that's how we started. So we hope that in 2021 we will be able to do it, but it was everything planned. We did all the, already the call for application and we had to stop everything, of course, like everyone else. So yeah. I yeah. find in the foreign country definitely better support than in Italy. Yeah. Sorry, um, it's always very long answers. No, no, it's nice. It's nice, honestly, to hear what was your inspiration for the festival as well, because I think at the start of this recording session, we were talking about how there's a lack of dialogue amongst the dance community. And I think it's nice to hear that you want to provide and you are providing that service in a different format for the community. So that's really beautiful. Um, you actually did manage to do the edition. Was it in Turin or in Frankfurt recently? In Frankfurt. And we were just right before everything started to collapse again. Should I, do you want me to, to tell about it or you tell? Yeah, me? I mean, I just, wanna... just to maybe tell how it was different this year specifically because of COVID. Yeah, there was some differences. Like, thanks God we managed to bring people on stage. We had limited yeah. ah, audience. Okay. We have usually capacity of 199 seats. Now we had like uh, 60 maybe around. Uh, everything was, everybody was distanced, but still we could have people in. Usually I do two programs, but this year I did one program and I repeated twice so that more people could watch the same program. Mm. Then we had, uh, this was a new thing and I want to keep it. We had a dance video night, dance film night, and I collected a variety of dance videos that were made during the, the first lockdown. And we, I made an evening, a dance, a dance film evening about it. So there was uh, the presentation. Uh, we, 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 I curated this collection of dance film on the website of the theater. And then uh, I thought it was a good thing to project them on a big screen, you know, mm. because it was also nice. Many of the artists who did their videos were in the theater with us, so they could see their work projected. And then when there was a discussion about the digital challenge during uh, the COVID and, and everything with some people from the city, from Muzon Turm, Anna Wagner, from the Kulturbeirat, Marie Pichot, from two artists of the scene uh, here. And so this was not happening before. This came with, with the Corona thing. So there was another aspect. Video was so important this year that it came through you know, in the theater. So, mm -hmm. And this was interesting because it started something which was online, but then we brought it in the theater back you know, mm. with the people there live watching it. So it was a thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the, we, we had a, a whole section of online festival. We had the interviews like you're doing now with each of the partners and each of the festival partners presented a solo which we published online. And you can find in our Facebook site or... YouTube or Instagram account of Solo Choreografico. So we, there wasn't a, the effect was big. I must say in this specific case, it was an add on because although we had less public and we had one night program less, we could develop another section of the festival, which was not existing before. Yeah. And we concentrate the efforts much stronger. I must say we could learn much from the situation. Yeah. 
Yeah, something we've spoken about before, myself and Hayden, is the medium of film now and how important it has been for dance these months, but how also difficult a medium it is to actually navigate without the tools because it's a complete discipline and art form by itself. So I'm just curious how this dance evening was received, the the film evening. And like, did you feel there was a lot of innovation that people were doing something interesting because in a pressure cooker when you have no other options is normally when things start to evolve and happen. Do you see a possible link between our new technological kind of direction with life and with dance through film? Yeah. So the first question, the reaction of the audience to the dance film night was very strong, was awesome in the sense that the public was really divided into where the half of the public was the, the artists themselves. Mm. And then we had regular public, you know, but both of them, they really enjoyed it because it was so diverse, it was so different, like, because it was a very introspective work. There was no showing off in mm. the videos, mm. you know. Every video was a piece of them, of the artist, piece of themselves. Every solo was a, a self-reflection about the situation. It was a kind of, uh, for the artists themselves, was a way to keep working, but inevitably it was very interior work, like was very therapeutic way, you know? Nobody escaped that. Everybody was very much traveling and having a journey within themselves because you're alone at home. You cannot go out or you can barely go out. You're worried. You don't know what is going to happen. So there is so much urge in the moment that so the what you're going to bring out as an improvisation, as a complex film and choreography, has all these elements. So everything was very genuine, honest, authentic. There was no showing off whatsoever. And the public received that totally. You know, mm. it was really a blast. And in fact, because we had, of course, you know, like we had a kind of an interview and, and talk. We were on stage talking, but uh, there was many people in the audience. So we, I, I asked questions to the artist and you could have cried because they were saying so much personal stuff. You say, oh my God, they were saying what they were feeling during the filming and why they do it. And it was so like deep and really touching because this is the, not the usual stuff that you hear in a conference talk, in like a public artist talk. Mm. And it was very intimate. And there was a bit, we were talking to each other. You know, there was not anymore, there was no interview, mm. you know. And this was the great uh, thing that came out. I think that to the second question, I think that the video is very difficult. As you say, it's an art on its own. But I think that we have the opportunity because we start from our body and we start from our emotion and thoughts. And uh, dance is very graphic because it's movement. So video is movement. Of course, it can be just landscape and so on. But movement is very appropriate for video work. And as it, as it is text for or sound for music, no. And even with the small amount of knowledge and hardware, I think pretty much everyone can deliver something which is qualitatively good. Because I saw some works that were projected that were just made with a GoPro or an iPhone, or that's it. No cut, just the, like a music underneath. That's it. And the as often it happens, the most simple ones, they were the most like, 
Wow, striking. We had one video from Miriam Motzke. It's a young lady who just got that diploma in the dance conservatory here in Frankfurt. She did one video sliding on the floor of her kitchen and doing very simple things, very interesting and, and, and funny. It looked like it was, she was in space floating. Anyway, this video had over 350,000 visualization and the reach of 600,000 people. This was one of the videos we curated, but the video was so good, it just like went off viral. And suddenly with a very simple video, with just one camera, she put it on the, probably on, you know, on the kitchen top, sliding on the floor. But the idea was so clever and so well done, you know, she did it. And because she could use the environment around her, make associations and do. You know? So I think that it's definitely something that pretty much everybody can, can connect with. And I think as to the third thing, I don't think I'm the only one to think about it, that it's an art form which will be more present from now on. It will be taken more in consideration, definitely. And uh, because many of us did discover it, if not for the first time, but we saw it as a, like a arc, you know, where you can mm. uh, recover and you know, save yourself and the thing. And, uh, so, and it's still like this. We are again closed. Our theater now is closed for a month at least. And so I am trying to brainstorm how can I bring dance to people at home again. And I will. In the next days, I will do. I'm working on a project and I'm going to work on other stuff. To and you, do you hope to bring these things with you when you reopen again, when things return to normal again, if they do? Well, actually, yeah, I mean, it will be a special project, but I think, yes, the movies we bring back, we brought back to the theater, it's definitely worth to bring those works then again also here, where they belong, you know? It's like a, it's a concept of what will be brought on stage in a way, in, the, in this way. I think it's interesting because, again, it says a lot about the moment where they're made, in which condition they're made, and the urge determines the work how would the, the work of art no it's not pre-thought there is no preconception yeah I, I think there's there's also the power in the fact that this is our generation's um i'm not sure if i want to call it our generational trauma or whatever but it, it is an empathy like an empathy point that we all connect with we all understand that everybody's in a very similar situation which creates an entry for connection so in all of this work, there's already something that we can relate to inside of it, or at least in this period, because most of the work is yeah. coming out of this. Yeah. It, it's like looking at all the, all of the like art that came out after like terrible moments, like world war two and everything. I don't think this is as like bad as yeah. that, but there definitely was an imprint or an effect on the art and everyone. It's like a zeitgeist kind of, um, feeling or something. Yeah, true. Absolutely. It's an interesting point of view, or an interesting thought, and I'm sure that what you're thinking now, I think not yet consciously everybody think about it, but it will develop slowly now. I think it's there already. I think slowly, you know, all the people involved will, uh, will see that. I think it's a good, uh, very good point. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, I noticed that it has an effect on me now when I see people do contact work, that there's, 
there's something inside of me that like shakes, like it quakes when I just see that kind of connection again, because it's True. it's so stressful these days that I, like you have to ask your friends if you haven't seen someone in a really long time. And of course, you want to hug them. And there's the awkward moment of can we? Is it OK? And with other some people will say no. And it's completely understandable and respectful. And you just have to address yourself in this different way and address your friends and to see on stage dancers being so naturally intimate or connected or communicative in this these fundamental principles again like it my like I ache for it yeah 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 it's true we will be uh, struck by the moment where we can really again contact as we are used to yeah but can I ask you a question Dylan what is again the, the specific faculty that you study dance movement therapy it's a psychotherapy dance so it's, movement therapy okay yeah um as a psychotherapy so you can work many different streams with it but i want to i want to work clinically with people to help people self-heal or self-regulate and get in touch balance many ways to cool. put it nice it's, yeah it will be very useful before now and also afterwards exactly mm -hmm. to recover from that actually <laughs> To recover from all this, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. you were saying, it's not was not World War Two, but uh, hopefully will not be three. But there is definitely uh, like a, a trauma in the sense of like uh, not being able to do something which is very natural and mm -hmm. it sh which Im impacts our relationship with the people we love. So, but it's just it's just how you regulate yourself. Like you, your dopamine and oxytocin release is linked to physical contact with people. We're we're literally programmed to need physical contact and proximity to others. Like you were saying before, that like as humans we need these things. We need the body. We need to integrate like this. And like one thing we spent like the whole well we spent a lot of our lectures talking about this is that your emotional body is your body that this stuff isn't cognition it's it's inside of you you need your nervous system to be stimulated to process these things and without people existing in a physical way with each other like it's detrimental to our mental health or you can just replace it with likes on instagram uh, but yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, something for example in which i as a dancer or former dancer or person that lives in this world and uh, like many of us we are far far from home for example no uh, we live this deprivation of contact with our families and sometimes i feel very sad for myself because i don't see my family as much as i wish to and i this is something i it's in in a different way it's somewhat is a bit in a different level and different uh, volume is happening a little bit that we we are lacking of, of this contact. We need this. I mean, it's a piece of information which is missing, so to say. It's a very important piece of information. That's why I say I have hope because I know that at the end, it's such a big need. It's like eating or drinking that I see that we may reach the bottom, but that the will and the need of it will never really go away. Even if we have the likes, if we have, if we have uh, <laughs> uh, hardware that can uh, simulate a kissing or sex or whatever, 
you know, because we're going to get there. We are there already, you know, so, yeah. but it's all empty. I mean, then it becomes, not to say perversion, because it's nothing pervert in that, but it's just like non, not human, yeah. I would mm. say. Yeah. There's no, you, anybody can do whatever. As long as people enjoy, it's fun, it's good. But I think that just that is, will not be enough. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, it still lacks, I guess, the real sense of community with other people, the, yeah. the connection. It's like there's nothing there, really. But I see, for example, and I know that I'm guilty as much as the system is, but I realize that because of social media, I don't contact my friends as much as I was doing before. Because there is this false feeling that you can always talk to people, that you can you can scroll and see what they're doing there. I said, oh, I saw what she did. I know she's good. I don't need to phone her or visit her. Yeah. This is something which I personally, I, I should work on because I see it clearly. There were, I remember calling people to know how they were. Now I don't even, I don't even write them actually. Maybe one one happy birthday year when Facebook reminds it, but um, of course, okay. But also with very, very good friends. Sometimes it's just you're caught in your daily life. You relate with the people that you're around firsthand and the people which are just a step back, step further, you don't reach out any longer because you mm. have the media, this media that gives you a false feeling of how you say reward this feeling about yeah. which is yeah. which is ironic as well because the technology makes it easier now more than ever to actually reach those people yeah yeah i find it it's very rewarding in a way because it's like really drug addiction yeah but but there's quality wise in a way it's uh really i hope i will find my way too. Rafa, something that we wanted to ask you about was, I mean, we were doing a little bit of reading about you and obviously now you've spoken about the festival and the company that you had in, in Italy. And we read of the various things that you have done, which is a lot. Something that we've been talking about a lot recently is sort of the fact that there's not really a clear or one pathway for people who are following a dance career for what they can do post dancing. How have you navigated this through all the things that you've done post your dance career? And is, <laughs> is there something that you think that we can actively do uh, as dancers to sort of upskill ourselves and prepare ourselves for something in the industry afterwards? Yeah. First, there is a mental attitude for me. I, I talk about my experience. I, I don't want to teach anything to anybody or say it's my, the, way, the right way. I say I had always a mind that... Um, I always had to think about plan B, plan C, D, E, and F. <laughs> I know I have always this automatic uh, survival mode. And uh, this uh, helped me to foresee things in a certain way, foreseeing things coming, what I would have liked to do if, because when you think to plan B, C, and D, you think, okay, what could I do other than what I'm doing now? which bring us to the question, what can I do when I'm not dancing anymore, for example, no? So it's the same, it's a different, the timing are different, but the, 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 the structure of the question is the same. What can I do other than what I'm actually doing? 
I had the passion of computers. I had the passion of videos. I like to organize also for other people. And so I like to study. I like very much to study stuff and uh, to, to know more. And I, I like to know the nature of man in general, spiritual. The one I would never study medicine or, or you know, psychology in this sense. I had some studying about it just to have an idea, just to have impulses like inputs to then transform in my own way. So having more interest can help you to develop then a career after. But I started during my career to develop, meaning, for example, I was starting to do choreography. I was doing already videos when there was not much way to do it. I, I had a, so one of the first Sony Vaio, it had uh, the drive that the hard disk was six gigabyte and the RAM was 64 megabyte RAM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's about it. But they made movies. The camera, the Sony Endicam, had 800 pixels, not one megapixel. And then I was combining all these things, video and computer and studying. And then I started university while I was uh, dancing. I was in Italy. I started the university theater uh, science. Then I left to Germany to work. And I said, what do, what do I do? Do I continue studying or I leave it there and I could work? I said, no, I'm going to continue. So I had my diploma. So this opens you the mind. It's studying, being interested. It's the key to discover beautiful stuff that you can do. And I could, thanks God, relate all the things, the interest I had to the dance. So I organized dance festival. I can organize a company. I can do choreography. I can write a text. I can uh, cut and film and cut videos. I, you know, I have different tools in my hands, which I can then use, you know, we, when we talk about what to do after dance, you have to think that when you're, my feeling when I stopped dancing is, was that I'm not exaggerating. It, it, it's not in a pessimistic way said, but I thought I, I had the feeling my life was finished. Meaning that when you finish a career as a dancer, you are a dancer 24 hours on for 20 years, 25, 30 years, maybe. The life that you had until that day, it's over. You will not train every day again. You will not stay for eight hours in the studio. You will not perform every day on stage. You will not go on tour as a dancer anymore. And if you do not have a plan B to stay in the world, you are out of the world mm. of dancing. And this is not uh, because there is just dancing. The world is beautiful outside. But we are a big tribe. And if you are out of the tribe, it's uh, the sense of uh, exile, yeah. uh, loss. So this is a huge, first is a huge step that each one feels it differently. There's people, they don't care. They finish, they go and they go to work in the office or the administration, they're fine. But many people, I think they have this step of, wow. But if you love dancing, you can find many, many things that you can connect with. There is a full range of, jobs that you can do in there so my thing is to follow you need to have genuine interests this is the problem like you need to have if you want to stay either in the dance world or in the outside world as i call it you need to have genuine interests and to follow them and to be consistent in what you do it's hard to believe maybe but i'm very can be a very lazy person but on some things thanks god 
I am efficient enough to manage to go on. And so to win the fact of being lazy, follow your interests, go deep. But my opinion is not to wait when you're finished. Like you're doing now, you are studying, you are making the podcast, you are interested people. You don't have to ask me the question in the sense, of course, I am here and I'm very honored to be able to answer in a way. But you are the answer in this moment. You are producing content for the community. It's precious what you're doing and it's going to grow if you keep and you're consistent and, and committed as you are. This thing is going to be something that we we're going to relate to, you know, because, oh, wow, there's this topic. Oh, that was so interesting. I wanted to hear that and I'm going to read it. Oh, but when I can read, when I can hear that, I'm, I'm, I'm on the bus or I'm driving to the show and I'm going to listen to the podcast because uh, the two guys are great. They're fun. They're very interesting what they're doing. They're consistent. They work. So this is the what you have to do. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be stressed about it. People doesn't have to get anxious about it because this is the problem. Yeah. I prepare myself because I am structured like this. My mindset is survival mode constantly. <laughs> I am adapting its time. And that's why I work the way I do. If I see I am strong, I can press something, I can push things forward. But if I see a wall, I, I have a tendency not to crash into it. This is very important. So, mm. and then you start to shape a bit yourself. It doesn't mean to make a step back, but just to understand things. Being able to meet new stuff, take the time to understand that before you say this is not correct or this is not for you. You know, it happened in the university while I was studying. I had some faculty who would say, no, this is really not my thing. But then you find something interesting in there too. And then you can go deeper and go and then you find your space. And then you shape that area to your necessities. It's like you doing a podcast and you will shape this podcast. It's you, you know? Mm. So interest and curiosity is the best asset, I think. And uh, dream, dream. Keep on dreaming, dreaming, vision, visualize what you want to do. Think crazy things about, oh, I thought once <laughs> I wanted to open uh, because I not only about dance, I thought stuff. I thought, okay, with a friend of mine, like you do the podcast, I thought to a friend, uh, yeah, we should open like a laundry and we make it laundry. And then we have the internet corner because we're a fan of Apple. And then we open a corner where you people get internet while they do their washing. Then we can make a, a bookshop or DVDs. There were no Netflix at the time, but DVDs. Yeah. Bookshop and then a small cafeteria. You know, I thought the most different things, you know, I thought ah, many stuff, but then uh, I had even a moment when I was up dancing as a, you know, as a thing in my life, but then this one, this can be useful maybe for some other people think that you are doing this job for 20 to 30 years and you have amazing skills that no one else outside has. Take these skills and throw them in the garbage. Maybe it's not a good idea, you know? So uh, you start at uh, 35, let's say. I stopped. I continued a little bit with project, but I stopped 34 with the company. That I, then I had like three, four years more freelancing, a little bit projects. But 
let's say 35 years old, you have a huge advantage that you are doing since ages already. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, people of 60 years here, I am in doing the job for, uh, or no, say 50 years, and 20 years in the branch and in the, in the play, in the, in the field. I said, well, 22 years in the field and you're 35, so what, <laughs> you know? So to start with 35, with another career from zero, it's possible, of course it is, definitely. But before doing that, really think, do I really want to step away from dancing or from dance in general? Of course, if you don't know, there is people I know they can relate to dance if just they're dancing. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. Or so this is clear, they do something else. But if it's not the case, then it's you had a huge training and capacity that you can develop. And you will be able to recognize when you can put dance in a podcast, in a video, in a dance therapy session, in, a, in a, organizing a festival, in a, making a piece of choreography or, uh, I don't know, anything. Or mm -hmm. speaking about dance, writing about dance. Who could best write about dance than a dancer? Mm -hmm. you, yeah, so true. you dance, you make your degree in dance, uh, in, in theater science, become a dramaturg, a journalist, and you become a a fucking amazing journalist and you know the people you know all the people you know all the companies you don't have to look for them they come to you you go to dinner with them and you have interviews and they will cheer when you come to the theater to make an interview you know it's all another level because you continue to be in the family you continue to be in the tribe and the tribe is loyal to the commitment that you will have you know so this is another level of working you can still live the dream because we live in a dream you know, so we keep, you can keep the dream, can keep people dreaming. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you stick on that, but of course it's each other's choice. Yeah. One thing that's connected to this as well, that I'm just curious if like retrospectively, there's certain aspects of things that you've learned through all these transitional periods in your life or transitional spaces in dance. If you were to be able to give or take any of that experience or perspective back to the beginning of your career. Is there anything that you wish you'd been aware of or ah, okay. approached differently? Um, I need a, a, one second. Yeah. We're going into like, okay, dive in. and. <laughs> it's more for academy students who have listened to the podcast. And I really noticed yeah. the, the benefit that this has for them. And I can relate to the space of not knowing and feeling insecure. So I think this is just, it, yeah. it's something for them. Yeah, the, the thing of, yeah, maybe we, we could start about the, the being insecure. Like, in general, I have not been insecure or too brave, like, you know, arrogant. I always tried just to do my best. That's all I did, you know, and I was putting my confidence, my trust in the people I would admire more, the most in the job, uh, in the field, uh, and to put my trust and my ear to the people I knew I could learn something from. I had always, I think that the fact that there was something that loved to learn was a big asset for me because I could learn many things. And uh, I didn't, you know, I felt better also sometimes not being able to do stuff, but I went through the suffering and then I, I faced it and uh, yeah, and I, and I went for Do not feel insecure. Like what I see that sometime it's not to be insecure because I think 
dancers in general, they have a certain amount of self-confidence to do that, what they're doing, but do not underestimate what you can do. By underestimating, there is also a certain control. Like, I know what I can do, more I cannot do. But this is like hides a fear of not succeeding. Mm. So it's a very subtle way of being insecure, although it's different. Yeah. And I think that never think what the others may think of you, of what you are doing. I'm talking now, think which in general is correct as a thought, but in the work, in our in our industry, to go audition for the best company in the world, that you think it is the best company in the world, to go, because it's an experience anyway. At least you're going to see them. You're going to know what they want from you or what they expect from a dancer. And maybe they like you. And maybe they, what you thought was totally irrelevant for them in the moment and they think to, uh, that you fit the job. So do not underestimate you and do not think for the others. No, do not think that they are thinking what you're thinking. This is the a, a mistake. No, it's it, it is it's a kind of relation. No, you go to somebody and you offer your work, yourself, your life, your daily life, and the other person either connects with you and think, okay, it's a good work relation, or not. But you have to give the other one the chance to say something. Not, not to go because you, you think it's too much, you know? And this is a mistake that I saw sometimes, for example. Other things from my side, what I could say, mistakes that I would do differently. Yeah, <laughs> I think that if we are talking about young people that like what they are doing and they work hard, the only problem or what the only thing that can get on their way is other bad tutors, like bad teachers, or their own fears. This is the two things, because if they're young, willing, and hard worker, in my view of things, they have already like, wow. But, okay, bad tutors, you will know just afterwards, or if somebody, you know, give you a wake-up call. But fears, this is something really you have to be aware and be careful of, because It's not possible to say what kind, because each one of us has the pleasure of having his own private fears. Everyone pick up the favorite. So, uh, (laughs) you know, but there might come the moment and I did, I had it and I failed where your fears, you cannot, you know, go over them. And then you lose a chunk, a piece of yourself. And uh, to recover it, you can, but then it's hard work. And, uh, Specifically, do not give up. You know, it's important to surround yourself of people that are supportive. Do not indulge with people that are not positive. In, in, mm. I'm not talking privately now. I'm talking in the work field. Mm. Because the, uh, the, the work field, either w- whether it's art or anything which has to do with creation, creativity, you know, like building up stuff, you know, motivation is the, is the core. Is the yeah. in engine. So when we lose this, everything gets stuck. So people su- surrounding us can undermine success and uh, positive people around us can support success. I mean, the moment when fears attack you and it will be unexpected, this can make also a difference. The environment that you create around yourself, in yourself and around yourself 
can sustain to succeed in your in the mission you have for you. Um, based on my experience, fortunately, I had always wonderful teachers. I was very lucky, super mm. lucky. In this moment of my life, I didn't have the right people around me in my private yeah. life and in my work life. I had people, I let people, I let the world with come to close. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I finally stood up, but I left a piece I left there, a piece I left there. And I know that it's a piece that consistent piece. They took some flesh out of me. I made it. So just be strong in that sense, because as I said, again, working hard, willing, consistency, commitment, passion for what you do, that's all you need. And then you need to care about yourself of your psychological state, mm -hmm. because this is the 50%. Yeah. And even if then it happens that you fail, fight to, to get back then, but it's in everyone's souls different. So everyone has, uh, will have to find their strength because it's, it's about your life. You know, we, mm. we, work is what we do. I mean, uh, of course, thanks God, we have a private life too, but um, <laughs> uh, we do what we do all the time. It's a 24 hours thinking, living, you know, that's how I see it. You know? And I, I'm privileged because um, I like what I do and uh, I don't, it's not, there's no effort, you know. So I, I wonder if there's something more specific that I can say to, to it, you know. This was already very great to hear. Thank you. I think there's a lot in there that's important for people to be aware of, especially like I can connect to this mental health thing. It's something I'm, yeah, I talk about a lot with people is how there just isn't any attention on keeping that in check in dance academy as you skill up and then get thrown out into a very inconsistent working field. It's like, nobody has trained you to look after yourself emotionally and mentally. They've just trained you to look after yourself physically. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 This is, this is true. This is very true. It's a very good point. Um, it's everything left to the sensibility of the teacher as a human person, but there is no focus on that. Really. It's yeah. very casual. Yeah. the stronger will succeed and the, 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 the weak will, will, you know, like in the dance world is a bit like this sometimes, you know, in the academies or, you know, dance is not for everyone, you know, this kind of yeah. speech that is totally like not true. I mean, like, of course, if you, if you want to do ballet dance, then of course you need to have certain qualities. I mean, at least you no, know, like in a frame. But there is so much you can do. You can dance, you can invent your own dancing. So everyone can, you know, if you want. Mm. And uh, there is a bit this uh, very like, yeah, it's like a military thing also almost, no? And sometimes even they, in the academy, they pushes you to break, you know? It's very- Oh yeah. Up. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, why? <laughs> why that? I mean, yeah. I think that when it happens for me, to teach for very young people. I am very horizontal in the sense that I know that I'm not their friend. I'm their teacher in the moment, but I just expect from them to have the same amount of respect that I have for them. Mm. You know, when this is broken, then I, I step in and say, no, dear, this is not going anywhere. And I get very like, Zrah! 
Until the point, I'm the sweetest person on earth. But when the when the bound is broken, then no. Mm. But uh, also, you know, when I organize the festival, of course, I have very good people that help me to do the festival. Of course, I have to coordinate the people. You know what my tasks are and what responsibility I have. And I know what your responsibility that I have and my responsibility also that you are feeling good while you're working. So I respect there is this thing. But then I expect that the person in front of me that works for me or help me, better said, has the same respect. So then it's all fine, you know. So I think it's a very virtuous cycle. Mm -hmm. And then you really can build up a good team in this way. And I think with the students, while you're in a dance studio with the kids, you're building up a team in the moment, no? It's like a temporary team. Yeah. And... uh, and then you support each other. And then the psychology can be sustained by the group mm. because you empower the group to sustain themselves and each other and yourself too, because as a coordinator, you can have really bad time too. And then they will, they will be there for you too. So it's mm. a wonderful system in a way, you know, instead of like, yeah. Yeah, it's a, you know? it's a nice approach. It's also, I was telling Dylan when we were talking that also when we were working together in the studio, that your approach was kind of making a dialogue between yourself and the dancers and and the work as well, to dialogue about the quality of the work so that we could all input to make it better together instead of just being like the figure on top of us telling us what to do. I think conflict is a serious uh, matter. When it's there, it's really to polarize the situation you know like in this thing there's no winner i am i would not be the winner and the, the dancer would not be the winner mm. in yeah. the moment that there is happening it's it's basically it's over already you know i don't know if it's in psychology or in in neurolinguistic programming the rapport the the connection yeah it's gone and we are making art so no, that's nice. It's something that uh, I also really appreciated when when we were were working together. So cool. I'm happy to hear that. Then I think for the last sort of topic, I've mentioned to you that we always do a segment of um, an improvisational task. Did you uh, come ready with something for us? Yes, I do. <laughs> Surprisingly <laughs> for myself, I do. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, no, I thought there's so many things that already are done. So. I, I thought something that is my thing and it's um, about considering one part of the body specifically and to try to integrate while you do ballet or while you do contemporary dance or while you, you build up a choreography and are the shoulder blades. So shoulder blades for me is really where the arms start. So where the, mm. like the whole shoulder is involved and everything. So. When I think about moving shoulders or arms and projecting arms into space, I think about moving shoulder blades first. Immediately, if you move the shoulder blades, you see the connection that there is with the rest. And then you see the possibilities. You can see that the arms can stretch way further than normal. And shoulders can be much more mobile than when you just Mm -hmm. move the shoulders. So... The task for me today would be to suggest the student to, or the professional dancers already, to 
think about the shoulders and involved and experiment with their shoulders, moving them in every direction, how this affects the movement of their shoulders and arms or in the back too. But, you know, it's to give one specific, very specific task. Yeah, shoulder blades, how they can be used. Cool. So I mob, try to mobilize them in any direction possible and you will see let's make a difference. Yeah. No, it's a really nice approach. Do you have something similar with legs as well? Do you have like a point and an yeah, initiation point? Yeah, I have also for the legs, how you place your hips, uh, of course, uh, affects tremendously the mobility of your legs. So it is important, my point of view, that the hips, they should be always in, um, like when, you know, like ballerinas, they go on pointures, their hips are very flat front so that they can really have the balance on the point of the foot, no? So when that's really not in, of course, but like really flat, like um, these will free the legs uh, in great times and will free their back too. And so you will be, you will have back relief and the legs will be freer from the hips. Important things to achieve that is not only to place it like the bones itself, but to keep the lower part of the of the abdominals of the stomach to really not like of course the whole thing is always present, but the lower part to pull up. It's like yeah. a you know like a belt up, mm -hmm. and this will also straighten the hips, of course, because you keep that in. You release the stress from the back, from the lower part of the back, and you you free more the hips and the legs, you know. They're easy, ready to move in any directions, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult through voice and explanation, but I hope that somehow That's nice. you, you got yeah. there. Yeah, this would be my suggestion. I, I definitely more, am thankful. Much more to say, of course, but then we would need another podcast. <laughs> oh, always possible. <laughs> always possible. I like. I love to share, but maybe we can hold that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. It's been like really wonderful to be, uh, yeah, an ear for to yeah take this in. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy that yeah it could come across something of mm. it. Yeah. So thank you so much. Man, you're doing yeah. so many different things. Too yeah. many things. Yeah. <laughs> Better than nothing. Uh, better than nothing. Absolutely. Uh, but this is a, because of the plan A, B, C, D, E, F. This is yeah. all the plan. They continue running. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks again, Rafa. And thanks to everyone for listening in. If you like our podcast, please share it. We're trying to keep growing this community. So if you like it, share it with a friend. If you don't like it, share it with your enemy. But anyway, please share or just mention that this is happening. You can always follow us on Instagram and see our posts and whatever. Again, big thanks. This is myself, Dylan, Hayden, and Rafa signing off. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, ciao, 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 ciao.